Hello and welcome to the official Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson, joined by my lovely co-hosts, Shona Hickmore and uh, Rob Soria. And we've got a jam-packed episode for you guys. It's the definitive off-season episode as the Oilers are now finished with their draft. They selected Reed Schaefer uh, 31st or 32nd overall. Um, and along the way, they trade Zach Cassian to the Arizona Coyotes, along with a, a bundle of uh, future distant draft picks. So the Oilers dump Zach Cassian's salary. And then uh, the day after the draft, I believe, it was uh, announced that Duncan Keith was, in fact, retiring. So the Oilers clear up another $5 million cap space. And all of a sudden, they have nearing $20 million cap space as uh, free agency nears as it opens this coming Wednesday. Um, just uh, w- what are your guys' thoughts over this whirlwind of the past few days in uh, oil country here? Um, you're going to make me first time. You're uh, always up. You're always um, up first. <laughs> I think that it is a, you know, one of those situations where you're getting a ton of happy coincidences. You didn't necessarily need Keith retire. You need to get, you know, you can necessarily count on getting Keith retiring and, you know, some of the other stuff that's happened to come like as in the kind of dominoes fashion they have come, but it's nice to see the Oilers with a little less, uh, um, you know, a little less pinned down by their own ineptitude. Um, of course, uh, that does always kind of, give you that one moment where you're like, oh, crap, but I need to remember we had $26 million in cap space last year at this point in time, so I can't get too excited. But uh, that being said, that can change in a second. So um, hopefully hopefully we don't uh, do the same thing we did last year with our cap space. Um, But, yeah, you know, I agree with you. Uh, The Duncan Keith uh, thing was uh, very out of left field. I think, Rob, you said it uh, a few podcasts ago that there was no chance he was retired. So um, I don't think anyone saw it coming, and it was a major major boost to the Oilers situation this summer. Um, What are your thoughts on uh, these past few days? Yeah, the shocker was that was Keith. I just didn't see him. Again, from a money standpoint, yeah, he didn't earn a lot. He's not earning much coming this year, this season. I just – from everything you had heard before, he still wanted to keep playing. Um, that's why, to me, that was the shocker, like big time. Um, the Cassian thing didn't surprise me at all. It's what I hoped because I wanted no part of a buyout. Yeah, um, yeah, it sucks they gave up the assets, but they kind of they, it was going. It was always going to happen. And I know some people were comparing it to what the Leafs had to give up for Morazic, but it's two different situations, right? Uh, Morazic yeah, well, was god awful last season. Um, but teams need goalies. Uh, he's been fine before, fine from a standpoint where he's a middling to bottom third goalie, but there's a lot of those in the league, right? And yeah. they make in and around that kind of money. Uh, whereas Cassian, you know, whatever, people might have a use for what he brings, but for any good team at that, with that ticket, he's unplayable, right? Yeah. So it's going to sure. cost more. And the, the picks they gave up, I think it was a, a second in 2025 and a third yeah. in 2024. You know, you don't want to see those kind of assets go out, but in the grand scheme of things, they're so far away that this, um, it, it helps the team right now. And that's what you need. You need to get this team 
to be a serious contender while Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are still on their contracts. And the pick you make in 2024 in the second round is is, is still three years away, right? At, at yeah. the least. So, you know, it helps the team quite a bit right now. And I think you can forgive, uh, I, I won't forgive Holland for initially signing it because I didn't like the deal in the first place, but in terms of giving it up, giving up those assets to dump the contract, I think it's a, uh, the price you have to pay, unfortunately, to do that sort of thing. And the thing with yeah. the, the Toronto Morazic deal, um, uh, I believe Chicago didn't have a goalie. So they get Morazic, they have a goalie. It, it, yeah. It, it helps them a little bit too. Whereas dumping you Cass- can find goalies that are no good. That's not hard. <laughs> yeah. So dumping Cassie into Arizona doesn't really yeah. help Arizona outside of the, the picks you give them to do that. So. I mean, I- if, in all honesty, man, would I be shocked later on in the year if they could flip Cassian for something and retain? They probably can. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, later on. Sure. So I, I think they're a team that's so far away from contending, they don't mind oh, Cassian. Uh, just no. play out that contract. I think he only has this year and another year. So really. Yeah. Um, and I'm not mentioning the, the first round picks that were exchanged. I think, uh, yeah, Arizona and Edmonton swapped first round picks. Uh, Edmonton took Reed Schaefer 32nd overall. They dropped three spots uh, from 29th, if I'm doing my math right. Um, but yeah. from what I hear, uh, Reed Schaefer was always going to be the Oilers' pick. So that's basically a wash. The Oilers drop down. They still get their guy. So yeah. um, I'm not really counting those picks as part of the package because I think Arizona reached quite a bit on on that 29th uh, selection as well. So, uh, yeah, you know. Um, no, I yeah. agree. Yeah, very, very happy with the, the newfound cap space. Uh, the terrifying thing about that is that Ken Holland had this exact situation last year and he uh, used it in, in, what? in some <laughs> questionable ways. I think, uh, you know, I wasn't a huge, huge fan of the Zach Hyman deal when it was signed, but I can forgive that because Zach Hyman is a very good player. I, I think he fits his team quite well. And he's just, he's just a super guy, just lovely guy um, as a person as well. So, um if Ken Holland can use this cap space in ways that weren't uh, trading for a dunking Keith, that would be fantastic. And um, speaking of which, uh, Evander Kane was a, a guy that a lot of fans were expecting would sign a contract with the Oilers after we cleared that cap space, um, but came out on Monday afternoon that the Oilers' our offer is firm at around, I believe, 4.75 over three or four years whereas the Kane camp is looking for a, a lot more than that I can tell you that for sure I think Rashog or Gazola one of the TSN guys here in Edmonton um, reported that the, the seven million might not be enough or seven yeah seven million might not be enough for Evander Kane so if that's the gap that the team and the player are at right now I am not seeing any way you can resolve that especially since the Oilers gave uh, Dan Milstein, uh, Evander Kane's agent, permission to talk to other teams. So, um, what's the move here with Evander Kane? Do you, do you guys think it's like uh, for sure not coming back to Edmonton, or uh, what were your thoughts? I for sure hope he's not coming back to Edmonton. No, definitely not. <laughs> That's uh, way too much. But I also um, don't have that faith that there's not going to be something that comes together in the last minutes or whatever it is because, you know. Kane really likes the uh, 
the, the fans or the feeling of the Edmonton room or, yeah. or whatever it is that we'll hear. I'm not really know. buying that that will happen because this is kind of a unique, unique situation. You know, Kane needs a payday right now. Oh yeah. He needs that payday. And I don't, I don't think he's even limiting himself to contenders at this point. As long as he gets the payday, I think he'll be happy. If Arizona steps up and wants to give him eight by eight, I think he'll go to Arizona or seven or eight by seven. I think he'll go to that team. I think it's all about how much money he can get on the open market at this point. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there are obviously some very um, important reasons, you know, that I, um, for the once in my life, I do not want to throw Alexander Kane under the bus around. There are very important reasons why Kane is looking for a payday, right? Kane. Oh, yeah. that's, that's why I said it's a kind of a unique situation that uh, we're so seeing. Here. He's in whatever situation he is around um, finances, and that's very, very important to him right now. Um, and all respect to trying to take care of your business, um, even if you uh, created your business, all respect to it. Um, in getting your trying to get yourself out of whatever shithole you're in um do i think that it'll necessarily happen uh for kane's sake maybe um it'll happen but the problem really with kane is he has such a uh, politely how do we politely put it reputation as becoming problematic in years two or three that like teams, teams that may want to take that risk may be less likely to take that risk just because they're like, oh, but he he's never he's never been able to stay in a team stay with a team for very long, right? So yeah, I don't know. He's got his work cut out for him. Let me put it like this. All I'll say is he's got his work cut out for him to actually get that contract that he wants. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I never realistically saw him as an option unless the Oilers were going to do six. I don't think he's budging for anything under six. And, yeah, probably wants more, right? So, yeah. So. Yeah. I, it was funny because I think it was the day before talks started around Giroux potentially coming here i wrote a piece that was on the copper and blue i think it was the sunday a week ago sunday and then the next day um i think it was pierre lebrun who mentioned Giroux, and then friedman did and i was laughing because the day before everyone was like oh you're insane what would the oilers want to do with it why would they want Giroux?" and then like two days later and then a day later it's like oh he'd actually be a pretty good fit yeah Giroux would be a really good fit and that, uh, that was when, an intrigue. Go, go on, go on, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, because you look at it, and as good as Kane is and what he does, because he's excellent, um, from an Oilers standpoint, while he's a great fit as that finisher and a guy who plays with, you know, piss and vinegar and he has size, um, to add a guy like a Drew who gives them five centers now who, if they were to sign them, that could literally play anywhere within the top nine on the wing power play. He's arguably would be the third best power play player. The Oilers have next to the <laughs> dry sidle. Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd instantly give them a right-handed centerman 
who could win faceoffs, which I can't remember the last time they had one of those. And yeah, he's 34, but he's still pretty good, right? So yeah, there, there are options out there. And then there are cheaper options too, right? And this was before all the cap space came free. And I think you put it um, very well earlier, Preston, when you said you're terrified. Because that was the same thing. <laughs> as soon as I heard about the Keith thing, the first thing, that first word that came out of my mouth was, my God, I'm terrified. Yeah, what um, is he going to do with this money? Yeah. The first thought was, it's all going to Kane. Exactly. Um, luckily, luckily, it seems yeah. like that's not the case. Um, I don't think they were ever going to go heavy term on Kane because I think they realized that just doesn't make sense. But mm-hmm. with the extra money, yeah, what scared me was, is, is he going to throw like a, you know, a three by seven at him? with yeah. like 21 mil and i'd be like oh my god because uh yeah that would not be good yeah i, I was actually very surprised at um where the orders came out on their offer um money yeah. wise like 4.75 i th- that's a fairly conservative like offer I, I, and i'm not used to that as an Oilers fan like it's... we signed darnell nurse to 9 million we we took on keith at full full uh payload and to to do that to kane i didn't I'm happy they did it, but I definitely wasn't expecting that. It's Br- Brad Holland using his magic. Oh, Brad Holland is <laughs> oh, winning no. over a lot of people right now. He's a, he, I was going to say like, that nepotism hires got some uh, work to do. So if he's yeah. got magic to work, he's got to, uh, you know, he's get on it and do it. He's saying all the right things right now. He, he appeared on Oilers now, I believe um today the day we're recording this on monday and uh he was saying all the right things he's like an organization can't uh, work without analytics being an important part yeah. of it he wanted to use video and like he he's he described it as beating the best teams at their own game which i think is exactly the type of mentality the others have to have right now when it comes to this uh to navigating the modern nhl offseason so um yeah unfortunately it's for me i always higher. wonder how much of this is talk um, and how much of this will actually, you know, because he's saying all the right things, but we've had numerous people come through and say all the right things as part of the Oilers organization. And then when the rubber hits the road, for lack of a better analogy, like very few of those right things actually get put into place. The only one who really brought up analytics in any way was, uh, was uh, what's his name? Uh, Eakins right? They're, yeah. they're coach. He's the only yeah. one. So no, and I, and I'm not talking even specifically Eakins. No, no, but what I'm saying I'm is talking in general, the Oilers have a, a trash history of having individuals in their organization being like, we need to do things the right way, et cetera, et cetera. And then it like petering out because it becomes too difficult to go up against the hockey men of the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully well, we're seeing a little bit of Brad Holland's influence um, on, on things like that, yeah. Kane. Uh, you hope it, it extends to uh, Jesse Pugliarvi and not dealing him away for just nothing. Yeah. Um, but who knows? The, the, the popular opinion is that um, Jesse Pugliarvi is still on his way out. But I just want to talk a little bit about, uh, to circle around back to uh, Claude Giroux, because that was not a name I had on my radar at all when the offseason first started, simply because I thought he didn't want to be in the West. He declined to trade to um, the Colorado Avalanche, and I thought if you don't want to go to the Colorado Avalanche, who is at the time of the trade deadline was the team that was favorited to win the Cup, and they eventually did win the Cup, why the hell would he want to come to Edmonton? Um, yeah. But uh, 
yeah, if he has any interest at all in coming to Edmonton, I think it's that should be Edmonton's top target outside of a goaltender, right? Yeah. He is the thing with Giroux, part of the Colorado thing though, I think, is he wanted to go to Florida. Right. Yeah. I think I think it was less him not wanting to go to Colorado and, and more, more Florida was his preference. And to be fair, it's not like Florida, you know, no, had no, themselves I, a poor season. No, they maybe he just thought Florida had a better yeah. chance to win and he just he bet on the wrong team, right? But um Yeah. And now at 34. He's got a few years left, whatever those few years are. He might only have one or two years left at the level that he's playing at. And, and you know, I think it's I think he's definitely worth a two-year deal with oh, five yeah. or six. I, I think he can still play, like you said, two more years at this level. He's a fantastic yep. 200 foot player. He can still put up the points. I've seen a lot of people yep. being like, Oh, he went to Florida and he was bad. He didn't do good in Florida. He had 23 points in 18 games in Florida. He was fantastic for them. And I I didn't watch many Florida playoff games, but I heard he did well there too. It's not like he's a terrible player. And the way I see it is that maybe he won't bring up or he won't put up those, those sexy numbers that Vander Kane will with the potentially a 40 goal scorer. But in the long run, I think Claude Giroux makes you a better team than Evander Kane does as a whole. And I'm not 100% sure that Claude Giroux can't put up some fairly impressive he can. That's the um, thing. Yeah. scoring numbers, you know, with a long-term amount of ice time with Connor McDavid. And so. the power play, right? Like, even then, maybe he will put up those sexy numbers. There's a good chance he would, right? So I don't think he'll score 40 plus. No, like but... Would, right? But it's they're different players. Yeah, and I think no, the but... impact that Drew has on the yeah. game is more than Kane because when Kane isn't scoring, he's not doing a lot. No, Drew isn't scoring, he's still doing a lot. Is I feel like I'm talking about Jesse Puliarvi, but the same arguments apply with both those players. One more than the other, obviously, but um, one scores though. Yeah, one does score. Love, love, love Jesse and all, but yeah, that's the difference, right? Yeah, no, for sure. So I, I think if he has uh, any interest at all, whether it should be banging down his door, I think he would be a fantastic replacement yeah. for uh, Evander Kane. Um, if that sail has already sailed or ship has already sailed, please let that ship have sailed. <laughs> you know, I really, honestly think that for the Oilers to be um, really successful in the off season, Kane needs to um, make a decision to go elsewhere because I am half afraid that if he doesn't, there will always be this hesitancy to pull the trigger because they're like, "But what if we can get Kane?" Right? Yeah. Like he needs to he needs to make it clear that it's not going to happen so that the Oilers management can stop trying, you know, or holding out hope that if they just wait, maybe maybe the terms will change or something, right? Like yeah, and I'm still wondering how big of an effect the arbitration case has on all this as well because he might not be even able to sign a new contract at the end of arbitration, right? Um, the the his old contract with the the sharks might be upheld like so it's going to throw a lot of uh cloudiness into the whole situation and uh hopefully the Oilers just steer clear of it find another guy find a few guys look at what toronto did when they lost hyman um they got a few other guys to by committee make up for that loss and with the crop of especially unqualified guys like guys like dylan strome sunny milano out there you, you could do that for a very le- less of a, a cap hit, right? So um, there's going to be interesting times um, for sure. 
Um, I want to talk about the draft, but we got sidetracked because free agency is obviously a little bit more interesting. Um, the Oilers uh, traded back with that Arizona trade. They picked 32nd overall. They took Reed Schaefer out of the Seattle Thunderbirds of the WHL. The Thunderbirds, of course, went to the WHL final and lost to the Edmonton Oil Kings, much to uh, the joy of uh, Shona, I'm sure. Um, yes. And he had quite a quite a good uh, a playoff run with the Thunderbirds as well. He's more of a, I've heard people call him a throwback player, a more physical guy, which I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of uh, drafting just because a guy is big and can hit. But uh, so the immediate aftermath of that pick, I was a little miffed that they didn't take Jaeger Furkus, the more skilled guy. But uh, uh, upon a, a reflection, um, it seems like this this kid has a, a quite a quite an interesting tool set here and uh, could be an interesting player down the line for the others. So um, what, what were your guys' thoughts on uh, selecting Reed Schaefer in the first round? Oh, fuck not this little bastard again. (laughs) What do you want from me? (laughs) Like, he, I'm going to be honest, he, you know, was moderately effective in the uh, WHL finals. You know, yeah, he's a big kid. He likes to throw his body around. Didn't always engage his goddamn brain while he did that. You know? Um, uh, But again, he's 18, so I guess maybe you know, the engagement of brain um, happens at a later date in some kids. Um, he can make plays sometimes, and sometimes he's just that kid that ends up getting himself sent to the box three times in a game because he can't control his temper. So, you know, like, it's just like, what do you want from me? Like, y- y- the Oilers had plenty of looks at what they were getting. You know, I had a good comparison or good comparable when I was talking about it with people I know. You know, you essentially tried to uh, draft, you know, the equivalent of Mitch Moraz again. And that worked out great for you the first time, right? Oh, but that's a, it's a very similar type player when you watch him play in the WHL. So, like, I hope for the Oilers that this doesn't turn out as poorly as the first time they did it. But very similar type player, you know, maybe he's got better speed or better positioning. It's hard to tell when he was playing for Seattle. I mean, his line mate was also 6'9 for part of that. So I was like, that's like half the ice. You only have to worry about half the ice because the tree on the other side has the other half the ice. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he develops. Like if some more of that, um, I'm going to charge a guy because I'm upset because I didn't get the penalty that I thought I should have gotten is going to taper out or if it's just going to kind of build, right? Yeah. We'll see. He's still just 18. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter as well compare the pick to Mitch Moraz. And then I've heard a lot of Oilers media be like, it's not Mitch Moraz. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's not Mitch Moraz. <laughs> Quite close. Like, I'm sorry. As someone who watched them both play. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not. Dis- it's not, it's not like, it's not, oh my God, it's a clone. But a lot of the same pieces that made Mitch Moraz successful in the WHL are what are powering this kid. So, yeah. yeah. yeah a better result. A little less of a, a, a sure bet than um, previous first round picks, but again, this is a later pick, right? So, uh, 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 Rob, what, what were you thinking? Yeah, I did. This this season's probably the least I've uh, followed junior in the juniors leading up to the draft. That said, I did watch the kid a few times play, and when he got drafted, yeah, I kind of I thought the same thing Shona said. 
he's just a quicker Mitch Moraz with yeah. maybe a little more skill set. And then, yeah, you heard it as well after. And yeah, so, but again, it's... Yeah, those, that's the thing is, I'm like, I don't know if he's conti- continually quicker than Mitch Moraz because Mitch Moraz no. could be quick in some pieces, not always, but like... Yeah, <laughs> and it's so difficult to say at this, like you said, at that age, at that level, in that game, it's just a totally different game. So... I think the fact that they view him as being someone who could probably be ready quickly is something that intrigued them other than his size and stuff. The one thing I've never understood when you're drafting that late in the first round or anything, honestly, past the middle of the second round, because usually if you're at the top of the second round, you might see some players there that got missed that you're interested in pouncing on. But once you start hitting like pick, I don't know, like 55 on, you should be looking at guys that there's the potential to hit a home run on. Right. Yeah. Whereas with this guy, cause the Oilers didn't draft forever. It's like, it's your one shot. Right. And it's late in the first round. There's clearly nothing on the board for them that they were thinking, Oh, I, I really have to have this guy. If that is who they wanted. You know what I mean? From a skill set standpoint. So yeah, I don't get it. it. You'd think, like you said, you, you find the guy, maybe if not the most skilled player on the board, maybe something very close to it. Yeah. That you think potentially could play in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Um, and then go from there because yeah, like, a pick like this at best, what is he? Like he's a bottom, he's a third liner at best. That's the thing that I'm not wild about. Like he's a third liner, yeah. Your aspiration should be higher than yeah. And where I've heard is this guy's not gonna play in the top six. This is why he's no. I'm just like, well, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with being a, a third line player either. Christ, what did the Blackhawks draft Ethan Morrow at? You know, yeah, like there, there's nothing wrong with becoming that guy, but that shouldn't be the ceiling. Like yeah, when, right. you, when you're coming out of the draft, it's like, oh yeah, he's he's a he's a third line winger. Oh, okay, well, and no shame in that. Like if he can be a third no. line winger, that's that's awesome. But um, you you have some more skilled guys. Like again, I'll bring up Jaeger Furkis. The kid yeah. has some insane offensive instincts. That kid could play in the top six. Yeah, if he develops properly. And uh, I w- I was super happy to see him there, but I was not confident in all at all in the Oilers to pick him because uh, everything pointed to Schaefer. And I was like, man, yeah. you guys are going to regret that down. But I think they're going to regret that. Because these small guys, because I know they, one of the main reasons they picked Schaefer was because he was a bigger body. And maybe yep. they weren't as interested in Furkus because he's a smaller body. But we've seen teams do this for years and for that to bite them in the ass. Like it, I'll give you Alex DeBrincat. The Oilers passed yeah. on him for Tyler Benson, who was seen as the, the bigger, kind of more physical guy. How did Benson that turn had out? a much better junior career than Schaefer's ever had. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not comparing the two, but like, um, no, I'm just saying, like, you actually had more stati- like positive statistical data to work with with Benson than you do with okay. Schaefer. Okay, well, maybe that's not the greatest um, comparison, but it's, it's it reminds me of people not t- like sleeping on a guy like the Brinkat. Yeah, and, and no, it's true. Eyes over him, and you yeah, know. you're right. And the thing too that. The Oilers lacked a lot of size, they thought. So they've drafted a lot of big guys lately, right? And yeah. that's really not an issue right now. Like, all you hear about is how big their back end is, which is true, yeah. like coming up. And some of them can play and skate and move the puck. 
and some of them can't. So, you know, I know half of Edmonton is dying to see Nima Linen next year. And I was like, well, if he plays regularly, he's going to get killed. <laughs> but, you know, in due time, might he be good enough to be a, a decent, you know, third, third pairing guy for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, Cause he brings an element that's, that's there that's missing, but the Oilers aren't a small team. This whole thing and the whole mindset too of, oh, they got to replace Cassian. But what exactly would they be replacing? He wasn't doing any of it. So I, I think you only have what three or four fights over the no, course. Of like the here's the thing, and he wasn't physical. That's the key there. It's the physicality. It yeah. wasn't there, right? They're, and they're not small. Yeah, you, know, you got to replace Cassian. Okay, but you literally—we've talked ad nauseum about how you know Edmonton loves those guys that rattle the boards. Yep. And nowhere in our ad nauseum discussion on the rattling the boards has Zach Cassian actually ever showed up for any significant amount of time. You know, we've talked about uh, you know Yamo. We've talked about. Um, Fogel, we've talked about Archibald, but we haven't talked about Cassian, not in that kind of physical kind of role. Yeah, so like, that's that's very true. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, apparently he's not even doing the thing that they like for him to do. There's just this idea that he must be. Well, yeah. the, the one thing that is really good about the, the two buyouts, or sorry, the two cap space moves um again depends how free agency goes but i think it should keep fogel here yeah um, and i think fogel is a fine bottom six yeah the problem though is fogel could end up being a fourth liner and i don't know i don't think you get the most out of him as a fourth liner because you could tell when he his minutes were limited limited he's just he's not engaged he's not and i totally get it because guys have to play um, but there might be nine guys ahead of them that are better. So that's the yeah. problem, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, management need to look at and make sure that they understand if they're keeping this guy, you're keeping a guy that has a very limited role on your team and it may not work out, right? You know, it, you know, in, in a way, it's kind of similar to, to, to how Cassian worked out. Um, he. Yeah was brought in to play a role. He, he, he came up and was able to play in the top six for a limited time. And then as Ken Holland said, then our team got better. And then he just couldn't be there. And that's kind of the thing that's happened in the Fogel. He came in to be a third liner. He did okay. But now the team has a chance to be better and he just might not be able to be there. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, of a, of a potential Fogel trade, um, I am very interested to see what the Oilers will do with Tyson Berry in the coming weeks here, because he's the guy I thought he had a better chance of being traded than Cassian because he has positive value still at his contract. I think there are plenty of teams I'll take him without retention and yeah. give up an asset. And it might not be a great asset, but I think they would give it up an asset for him. And with Duncan Keith retiring, Chris Russell walking, um, the Oilers are now, and then they haven't re-signed Kulak. So there's some uncertainty at some of the positions on defense. I don't know if that has convinced the Oilers whether Tyson Berry is now someone who has to stay or someone, or will they trade him and see if they can replace another defenseman? 
I, I tend to think that they should trade him because his his role on this team is irrelevant now that Evan Bouchard is seemingly taken over that offensive defenseman spot, and uh, it looks like he will take over the first power play. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of at a crossroads here. I think they should trade him. I don't know if they will because they think they need him after all this turnover on the back end. I think the Oilers think a lot of things. I don't think they think them necessarily, you know, correctly. I do think that there is very much right now that idea of um, there's too many pieces moving on the back end. You have to be careful not to move out anymore, right? Yeah, and Um, I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, there's so much turnover. You can't have that much turnover and expect to keep chemistry. Yes, you can. Yeah. But here's the other thing is uh, I think it was kind of adequately – displayed by our back end this year that they don't necessarily have a ton of chemistry so you know we're not trying to we don't have you know d pairs that you know are oh god I feel sick saying this but the the equivalent of c or seabrook and keith back in the day right like how dare well, you say his name after he's gone i, I feel sick too <laughs> um you know no, we I don't, don't have those those set solid D pairs that you could count on, you know, to kill penalties, to be, you know, um, in the rush, to do all their shit. We don't have a single one of those. So I don't know what chemistry you're super afraid of blowing up. Well, here's the thing. The, 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 the two pairings you could argue developed chemistry. And I'm very, I'm using chemistry very loosely for one of these pairings. Um, but Darnell Nurse and Cody Cece, they look good together. They complemented each other well. That's not changing. Those two are still staying here. So you're not disrupting any chemistry there. Your first line pairing or your first pairing on opening night is most likely going to be Darnell Nurse and Cody Cece. That's just set in stone at this point. And the second pairing, which I would argue didn't have chemistry and didn't fit each other stylistically, was Duncan Keith and Evan Bouchard. Um, and Bouchard's still here. And I think you re-signed Kulak and you're going to see just how great Bouchard will be with a defensively responsible uh, partner. Um, and that's about all the chemistry there was on the back end. I don't think Barry really developed if, much chemistry. Maybe with Kulak a little bit. If we're talking playoffs, you could argue Kulak and Barry was, were their best pairing. Yeah, that's true. That's right. True. Like they really were as in a third pairing role. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I wrote like again another piece wrote yesterday on the old site about Barry. Um, a lot of people keep hinting at, and it's and I in the article I compared it to last year as well. Um, as soon as Larson left, it became they have to keep Barry. Yeah, they have to keep Barry, and and it was literally they signed CC and Barry on the same day. Right. And this year you're already getting, you're hearing it from that mainstream media that as soon as Keith was said, he was done. The narrative became, Oh, well, this pretty much confirms Barry staying. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. It doesn't, like, it shouldn't you can, that. And it's nothing against Barry. Cause I'm hundred percent with you, Preston. I think they can trade him. Um, I don't really want them to get a player back. Cause I don't think the player back they'd get from him would be good enough. I rather they just get picks. Just recoup use, a second, right? Yeah, yeah. Use the picks later as assets because they're going to need them. 
And the um, hole you're creating is a third third pairing defenseman. Exactly. It's not that hard to yeah. there's a lot of third pairing defensemen out there. It's not like you're if, trying to and if you ask me, and I know everyone's kind of like, oh, he's on the right side. How are you gonna replace him? I still would play Broberg on his offside. I really would. He looked good at it last year. It's easier to find a left pairing defenseman. Um, do I think Kulak's a second pairing defenseman? Maybe. I think Am I like it. most people in the market who think, yeah, he's third pairing and that's it? No. Do I think he's going to sign for two and a half million? I most certainly do not. Um, I think he's going to cost them at least three, if not more. Even then, with the cap space we have now, I think that's yeah. worth it. I think so. I, I think that's a great deal for the. Rangers. If you look at it, if you go Nurse, CC, Kulak, Bouchard, Broberg as your five, right? Then you're just looking for one guy. Then you're looking for one defenseman, maybe two. If you wanna, if you don't want Nima Linen to be that seven guy, but going back to what we talked about, may not earlier, want Nima Linen. Thank you. <laughs> well, they <laughs> do. Just kind of roaming around. I believe yeah. she's still listening. <laughs> the the thing too, you got to remember, if they happen to go the route where they can get a Giroux or something, then if I'm that coaching staff, I'm running eleven and seven every night. Oh, for sure. Right, Absolutely. because you got to get those guys ice time. Yeah, and then you have two forwards. Like I said, you're going to have five centermen. So, because I know some people are like, "Oh, you put him on the, you put whoever on the third line, you put McLeod on the fourth line. Why would you put McLeod on the fourth line? Oh, he's good there. Let him be your third line center, and then yeah, and then if you if you have to play guys like Fogel less, or let's say Benson finds something and they start playing him or whomever. Mm-hmm. Then those well, guys, I mean, those guys get to play with the real center in their limited amount of time, right? Get a McLeod, a Drysaddle, a Giroux, a McDavid, RNH, whatever. So at least they're going to get limited time, but they're going to get it with like legit talent in the middle to play with. Yeah, and the, the guy I think we're forgetting about is Derek Ryan is still on this team, and I think Derek oh, 100%. Ryan is still a very good, like not well, he's not it, a very very good player, but uh, I think he's a good player still. Yeah, and he's that gives you six all. centers, yeah. really. And um, <laughs> I think a lot of what uh, Ryan struggled with this year is when he was just paired with with forwards that weren't great at defense, and it tanked him. And then you you yeah. look at what he did when he was on a third line with I believe Fogel and, and Nugent Hopkins. All of a sudden, he was doing great. You give this guy good line mates, he's going to do well. If he's yeah. your fourth line guy, you rotate him into those uh, top three lines um, in an 11 and 7 situation, he's going to give you a solid game day, yeah. day in, day out. So, yeah. So, I think the Oilers are set up a center. Um, and I, I think bringing in a center doesn't necessarily mean Giroux will play center. Like no. you said, they're very versatile players. It gives you more creativity with your roster. So, and, and as good as Barry might be or not be, and yes, he would help the power play, even if it's as a top, be it on the top unit, second unit. Although this notion of keep Bouchard on the second unit to keep his salary down. I'm just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, um, you can't, you can't score from the second unit. Is yeah, there some well, mythical thing? Yeah. <laughs> The the thing is, as as you realize our our second unit power play was such a um, drastic step down from our first unit power play that it would wouldn't reasonably be expected to score. Well, and the thing to keep in mind, if you bring in that third pairing defenseman to replace Barry, he's not making four and a half million. Yeah, like he's just not. So, and like you said, the replacement for Barry. Might be Broberg. We might already have him. Oh, yes. We might be trying to find the other guy on the left side. Yeah. We might be trying to replace Russell. 
that yeah. might be the guy, right? Um, and I, I I've been know, trying to replace Russell for nigh five years. It feels like that's a that's another thing that went under the radar. Uh, Russell walking um, that came out earlier today. Um, some good, just a, a great week for other fans outside of maybe a questionable first round pick. But um, yeah, no, I don't think uh, Barry leaves as big a hole as a lot of people are anticipating just because Evan Bouchard is that good. Um, and they, I also think they have the replacement. Justin, let's be clear. Barry doesn't leave as big of a hole as a lot of people are anticipating because Barry isn't the be and all and end all of offensive de- defensemen the way a lot of people would like to position him as. Yeah, he is not an irreplaceable offensive defenseman. Well, no, that's it what I'm is not Tyson Berry or bust. Well, and there has been with some... Bouchard, right? Like he makes him irrelevant. Yeah. No, but there's been some very intentional positioning that you can see, kind of in in Oilers fans, where they're just like, "Well, it has to be Tyson Berry because who else could do this?" There's other guys, you know. Yeah. Like other guys that probably will not cost you what Tyson Berry would cost you. Yes, Evan Bouchard is one of them. But even if you were looking for other other guys, they still exist too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to be that's the thing I'm keeping an eye on. I I, I have less faith it will happen, but you know uh, Bob Stoffer over on Oilers now has been hinting um, for for a few shows now that uh, there could be another move involving. Yeah. I, honestly, Preston, I. I think you you had mentioned it maybe it happening earlier. I I view Barry strictly as later, because yeah. I think once teams start filling spots with free agents, I think that's when they circle back. Right. That's true. That's true. right. Because and he's good as a plan and, B. Right. Yeah. And if you're going to use him as your let's say second pairing guy, third pairing guy, whatever, but he's going to run your power play. He's worth that money. He's there to run the power play. Yeah, he's worth that money. And right? For so, teams like Montreal, for teams like Seattle, hey, yeah. they, they have oh, he'd be perfect in sure. Seattle. Yeah, I know exactly. everyone says Montreal, but he'd be perfect in Seattle. Uh, it'd be funny. I think he's. A, I think Adam Larson is a good uh, a good partner for a guy like him. So yeah, it would be hilarious. Larson and uh, Barry. <laughs> um, even though they're both right-handed, but you know, it'd be funny. Just for fun, they should play yeah. together. <laughs> um. Uh, another uh, th- development that happened in the league uh, today, and we haven't even gotten to the goaltending. I promise we will get to the goaltending. I feel like that's the most obvious one, so I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but uh, a lot of the unqualified players that came out today, uh, a lot of interesting names floating around there that are now available when free agency opens. Um, a guy that I've seen linked to the others almost constantly has been Dylan Strome. And Dylan Strome, of course, uh, played with Connor McDavid with the Erie Otters um, in the year that uh, McDavid and, and Strome were drafted, 2015. They had a lot of chemistry back then. Now, you know, junior chemistry doesn't always guarantee NHL chemistry, but Dylan Strome is still a hell of a player. And um, I, I don't think a lot of people know just how productive he has been over the past few years. I mean... He has scored um, just last year, he had 48 points, 22 goals. And then he, he's also had a 51-point season in his career. This kid is not like just some other guy that you'd bring in to be a, a depth option. He could be a legitimate like 50-point guy next to Connor McDavid, and the relationship's already there. I feel like, hey, if he's not getting qualified by Chicago of all places, I bet he won't be commanding a huge amount of salary this could be like a dark horse guy to replace, you know, he won't replace Evander Kane 
of course, his entire production, but he could fill up a, a lot of it if, if the Oilers can find a, a decent deal for this kid. I, I, just, I that's a guy I, I really like. I just, I'm curious to see what you guys uh, I think about it. Shona, you almost look uh, perplexed. Uh, I, I think Strom is a good option. I think, you know, it's, I hesitate to say that he should come to Edmonton because he has had a very, very visible career where he has struggled in the NHL and the Edmonton media are. Um, oh, the Edmonton media is soft. Come on. Yeah, I'm sure the Edmonton media I, I will, you know. struggled as much Edmonton, as we think, though. No, but they're, they're like he was sent back from Arizona, right? He, his world juniors team did not win gold. He, well, he was captain, you know, all of these little pieces of his hockey story um, where the result hasn't been what it, uh, what yeah. was expected. Um, do I think he's a, a solid, good player? hundred percent. I think he's a solid, good player. I think he contribute contribute to the Oilers. I think he has skills that would be useful that I don't think that the Oilers have enough of on their current roster, 100%. Um, do I think that um, bringing him in, uh, banking on him, suddenly refinding chemistry with McDavid is smart? I really do not. Yeah. Because then I feel like Strom is set up for a failure if that doesn't automatically materialize. Well, yeah, we've seen that with Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Tobias And the, Ryder, the copious and, number of Germans they've run through this place Dominic that they're just like, let's find a friend, let's find a friend, right? But I just think that, um, do I think Strom would be a good fit here? Yes. Do I think he could contribute here? Yes. Does it depend on what he wants? You know, because I think Chicago had to qualify him at 3.6. So I guess we'll see. um, And they didn't qualify him is my understanding. So we'll see. Like, ideally, yes, I would like him here. I think he, he would do quite well here um if he was given an honest chance to do quite well here but if he comes in and from the moment he we he gets here all all that is said is how you know he's being reunited with Connor McDavid who dragged him through juniors and you know uh inflated his juniors production etc 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 which has also been a narrative around Strom I think it won't go as well so yes I I am tentatively excited to have Dylan Strom. Um, if we get Dylan Strom, just um, like all things um, tentatively excited because I see many areas where it could kind of go a little bit sideways based on well, that's, all that's the other the things. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I would say uh, he's one of the first calls they should make to see what's what, just so they have an yeah. idea. I think it would be stupid not to. Um, however, if they sign a Giroux or whatever, oh, yeah. I don't think you can bring in Strom as well because I think he'll make too much. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Could you take both? For sure. Um, I just don't know. Well, if you do that, I guess, then you got to move Fogel for sure. Um, yeah, you could probably weasel that in too. And then it also probably drops Holloway down a notch. Um but yeah, he's a really good player. There's there's some options, like you said. There's all there's a ton of options from Chicago, that's for sure. 
Um, they're not qualifying anybody, it seems. Chicago's um, <laughs> being a bunch of weirdos out there. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know there's certainly – there will be players out there. So, yeah, it's – and that's kind of where, going back to what we were talking about earlier with Brad Hall, and I'm <laughs> – as I mean, soon as I heard about Keith and uh, the Keith more so, because like I said, Cassie and we expect it. As soon as Keith got announced, it was like, okay, Brad, go do your job. Let's see now. Yeah, it should be mentioned. He's headed, he's the head, like, I don't care if he's GM or, or assistant GM or whatever that title is, that's irrelevant. He's the one running the pro scouting. So if yeah, he's running the pro scouting. <laughs> yeah, this is his time to shine. This, like, uh, yeah, this is- and we can you can shit on Holland or any of the GMs all you want, because ultimately they make the call. But as a GM, if you don't listen to your pro scouts, you're an idiot. Then why did you hire them? Um, But, and if like, it's his son for Christ's sake. So if you put him in the spot, you would think he trusts them. So if they come up with some cockamamie, you know, free agent signings, and we will get to the goaltending. And I think for part of that, they're not going to have a choice. Yeah, the money is what it is, but anything else other than that, and even that is sometimes a question. Um, yeah, they can't be stupid. Um, but yeah, Strom would be a very nice fit. Unlike Shona, I think he might fit all right with McDavid. And then there's I, that other I, I, thought that I don't think he's gonna I fit. Know, with I know you're saying that the there. potential is I, one way or the other. I always worry that, um, having had. And they did. I like. I watched them in junior. They had excellent yeah. chemistry in junior. Yeah. I just worry that for whatever reason, Edmonton coaches, Edmonton media, Edmonton fans aren't actually going to give them enough time as adult players to find whatever chemistry they have. Right? Do I think it's yeah. there? Yeah. Yes. But do I think you put them both on the ice and then suddenly you've recreated their chemistry in junior? I do not. So yeah. And but you know. ultimately Edmonton fans, I honestly don't think that matters at all. Like it really doesn't. And at this stage, especially with this coach and even the previous coaches, I don't think they give two shits about what Edmonton fans think. I really don't. They're gonna do no. what they do. Um also I think the Oilers are at the place, and I think we saw it the last two seasons with their goaltending. People don't understand this team is good enough to do well in the regular season with shit goaltending and a so-so season from a lot of guys. It's just, they're good enough to do that. Playoffs, different story. (laughs) But I mean, even so we made to the conference final. That's what I mean. Right. Right. (laughs) And he didn't play that great in the playoffs. Like we we scored our problems, which is, he was okay against the Kings. Not very good against Calgary and got awful against Colorado, but Markstrom luckily decided to take one for the team and be worse against Calgary. Um, well, see, but I disagree with that wholeheartedly. And Markstrom wasn't good, but he wasn't worse. Smith was worse. He let in way more worse, go- way more terrible goals. Markstrom got beat by elite offensive players. I, I, I think I Markstrom, just, I all, I think Markstrom also got beat by frustration. Oh, sure. You, yeah, 100%. Sometimes that, that let things happen. Yeah, com- the confidence. He must be like, Jesus Christ, what am I supposed to do? Every- Call Connor Hellebuck because apparently that shit doesn't bother him. Well, yeah, and, until the next round when Montreal blew him up. I know. <laughs> so, But that wasn't elite offense. That well, was yeah, exactly. Montreal. It's no offense that blew him up. Never mind elite. You're right. Um, 
so here's a, a few other uh, unqualified players that that are, that are interesting and could uh, could be some sneaky low cost bang for your buck uh, signings for the Oilers um, come come Wednesday. Uh, Daniel Sprung over on Seattle. He's been kind of a journeyman, but he has some great underlying metrics. Uh, he's not going to play in your top six. He could be a fantastic uh, bottom six guy playing alongside maybe Ryan McLeod, making a skill third line. Uh, Dylan Strome, I mentioned him already. I think he's got a lot of potential. Another Chicago uh, player, Dominic Kubalik. Uh, Oilers fans should remember him from the playing series where he absolutely scorched the Oilers. Um, he's been hey, kind isn't of that basically that qualification way. for us going to get him? Hmm? Isn't that basically one of the qualifications for Oilers management <laughs> going to sign him? Yeah. Well, they tried to get him before. Um, right? right? Andre so, Kashe, Kashe, this is his second year in a row not being qualified. He's a he's yeah. another solid young um, bottom sixer. Um, Sonny Milano, I mentioned him briefly. He's a pretty good offensive guy. Um, you know, I think he's has the potential to be more of a middle six guy. I don't think he can be characterized as a bottom sixer or a top sixer. He's kind of a floater. I think he would be another good low option bet. So um, going to be interesting to see if the Oilers go bargain picking with their newfound uh, uh, cap space. And there's there's some good options out there, and they I think they they can get at least one of them um, alongside a, a high impact, uh, a signing like a Giroux or another big name out there. Yeah. Okay. So the biggest need the others had this off season was goaltending. They had Mike Smith, Miko Kostening for the last like three years. And now that's not going to be possible. Mike Smith is going on LTIR. It looks like he's not going to be playing next year. Miko Koskinen has signed in Switzerland. So this year, this summer has really forced Ken Holland's hand to do something. And it looks like that's something will be Jack Campbell out of Toronto at a deal that looks like it's going to be shaking out to a five by five. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I think Campbell is better than Smith. I'll give him that. It's not that hard to do that, but I'm, I'm not liking the term or the dollar here. So um, what, what is the, the, the thoughts going around on Jack Campbell at that type of uh, contract? Well, I mean, if you get Jack Campbell, uh, congrats. You've acquired another inconsistent goaltender. Another what? Inconsistent goaltender. Yeah, to a degree, yeah. Maybe a different or a lesser level of inconsistency. But, you know, I can can hope, um, and I guess the season will – See if it plays out if you acquire Jack Campbell, that he provides enough consistency that the team um, can do what it's actually, you know, being built to do. Um, but uh, I don't know. The thing, the thing I, just, I think of right away with this is it's an overpay, but you're going to overpay in free agency. That's just a given. But oh, yeah. you don't need jack campbell to be a vesna contending goalie every year you need him to be average or maybe above average you just need to do that the doilers have a team in front of them that can score goals if you can just be an average goalie and not let in five goals every second game um that's all we need. That's all this team needs is just some, and and that might be a problem because Shona, you said it. He's another inconsistent goaltender. I think he's less I mean, so. He, 
Than, He's uh, less inconsistent than Mike Smith and, and less inconsistent than Miko Koskinen, I will give you. He's also coming out of a market where I doubt that the media here can rattle him the same way that they've obviously, um, by the end of his time here, rattled Miko Koskinen. Yeah. So uh, both of those are pluses. But, like, I don't know. I just, for his play in Toronto, and Toronto was a very different team, like, I just didn't see... I don't necessarily want a flashy goalie, you know, just a goalie that was slightly more consistent. I I would have been a lot more comfortable with someone like Kemper, who's slightly more consistent and less up and down. Like uh, Jack Campbell is still a little bit of a roller coaster goalie where he can play fucking lights out or he can play like he, um, you know, is going to uh, just Mike let Smith every third or fourth puck in just for shits and giggles to see what happens, yeah. you know, and hopefully, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully that if they sign him, especially at that term and that money, that doesn't happen. But uh, I mean, I, I, I too have heard that this is basically who it's going to be that Campbell's basically stopped talking to Toronto, that he wants to come back and play with players that he's played with before, like Hyman, you know, and that Edmonton is the the forerunner in acquiring his services. So I guess I'll just have to reconcile to the fact that I may be getting yet another inconsistent goalie. Uh, for, for me, it's a couple of things with Campbell. Um, I was a huge fan of them getting him from LA when they did. Uh, it was a good pickup. I think Shona, you and other people, I think are selling them a little bit short about inconsistency. He had a shitty... Th- two months for sure this season where he lost his confidence. But other than that, he's been really good with Toronto and Toronto's defense is garbage. And that's been garbage the whole time he's been there. Very similar to the Oilers, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's my problem. Well, yeah, but he, he's not the reason. Whereas I can point to Smith and Koskinen being a big reason they lost in the playoffs. I can't point to Campbell at all for them losing the last team. Yeah, the, I would give like Campbell I can't. He did. Was he great? Oh, I'm not saying that I didn't say that Campbell is Smith or Koskinen, but Campbell is still an inconsistent goalie. But like no, but that's said. what I'm saying. It's outside of a few months this year. I don't think he has been inconsistent. I think he's just what he is. That's like, true, and and, and he, that's the thing. And Kemper's like that too. Um, the the thing with Kemper is if he wants the six-ish million, it's like, well, dude, you're always hurt. And as good as he was this year during the latter, I'd say, two-thirds of the season, yeah, he was inconsistent in the playoffs. And again, I'm not shitting on the guy for him being not very good in the playoffs. He was hurt twice. But that's the problem. He's always hurt. And to be he's, fair, he's no already one 32. getting stuck in the eye. It doesn't matter. It's always something. Like with as much as I love Oscar Kleffbaum, one of my favorite Oilers of the last 20 years, he always got hurt. It was always something. It was a staff. It was his shoulder. It was a blocking the shot with his face. It was always something. And I love Oscar Kleffbaum. Some guys just get hurt. And Kemper's that guy. He, there's no way you can give Kemper term and money. Like you cannot. And, no. I, and I like Darcy Kemper. Don't get me wrong, because I agree with you from the standpoint where I think he's probably a slightly better goalie right now than Campbell. I don't know if he's a lot better. And I don't know if he's more consistent, but he's probably a slightly better goalie. Um, but, yeah, it's hard because 
I've never been one who sold on Skinner. I'm still not, but they genuinely believe they, they give at least a vibe off that they kind of are. So if they are, and they give this guy five years and granted five and five, apparently in this NHL might be the norm where you that's movable because to be fair to any of these guys, if Huso got 4.75 for playing 50 games and then stinking in the playoffs and losing his job because he did. Um, Matt Murray just got traded at a higher cap hit. Matt Murray just got traded at a higher cap hit. Well, that's my, well, yeah. And he ate some, right? Uh, Yeah. A tiny bit. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. And that's the thing. And the thing that I find really weird is people are like, Oh, the elite, they, they look at uh, Vasilevsky or the contract that uh, Bobrovsky signed or price there aren't going to be any $10 million goalies in this league anytime soon. Like there are not even the dude oh, yeah. in, the, in New York, he's not getting 10 mil. Well, like just he's of just how locked. the other contracts have looked right. Carrie yeah. Price contract didn't turn out the Sergei Bobrovsky. They both turned no. out terribly. I don't think. And, and I think do that again, so many of these goalies are just there. Cause I would say guys like Markstrom and stuff are better. I, I really like Demko. Could I see a guy like Demko maybe when it's his time for a contract gets seven? Maybe. But then that leaves the rest of those guys, like your elite guys might get seven-ish. So then everyone else is four to five. And I guess that's what they're going to pay to get Campbell. You know? Yeah. I don't mind Campbell. I don't. I Am I 100% sold on Campbell? No. Would I be just as comfortable with them spending money elsewhere and trading for James Reimer for a year? Yes, I would to be quite honest with you. Yeah. That's another goalie that I think is kind of a dark horse. James Reimer seems like a, a very good stopgap goalie for this, this group. I'm he, curious where he goes. He's still a good goaltender. He's not going to break your bank. I think he only has one year left on his contract. Yeah. Um, 2.5 yeah. million. Yeah. A very, very affordable option. Uh, here's another name. And yeah, I'm not endorsing it. I'm not yeah. saying they should go for it, but um the Capitals did not qualify Ilya Samsonov. So no. he's out on the market. No? No, I know. I know. I was agreeing with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. That's another guy that is interesting. He didn't have a great year in Washington. I, I will admit that. He did yeah. he was terrible. But he has shown in the past that he can be a very good goalie as well. He, I'm interested to see where he goes as well. It's, it's, I can see a team maybe like New Jersey just getting a Washington tandem this year. With Vanacek and uh, uh, Samsonov, uh, I I don't know if I trust. I don't know. He's a, he's an interesting name out there right now. Yeah, and I, it's, I'd be interested to see where he goes, especially with Murray moving, right? Because he would be a guy that I would be like, oh, Toronto might go there. Yeah, they, that's what I was thinking. Right? I, I thought as soon as that happened, that oh, maybe this Matt Murray deals off. Yeah, because everyone's saying there's a good chance Kemper goes to Washington, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, you know, then yeah. And I know there's names like Talbot out there as well and and whatever else, but yeah, like good teams, most good teams don't need a goalie. Like they just they don't. Guys. No, they all need a goalie. They just don't need yes. an elite goalie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, again, how many of those are there? Really? Yeah, there's like, like three? three. <laughs> yeah. Maybe four. Very rare. Very rare you get else. So, but yeah, the 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 five by five is scary. But I I think yeah, this feels so much like Hyman. It's not even funny, right? I do laugh though that this narrative now of oh he wanted to come to the Oilers. No, Campbell wanted to stay with Toronto quite badly. I know. 
But it's quite, quite interesting badly. because they they they're they now them over twice. <laughs> that is now out there, like yeah. that idea. Oh well, you know, I wouldn't mind playing with Hyman again. Oh yeah, yeah Edmonton's got potential. Like I am always a little amazed at how quickly um, the marketing machine uh, around players gets things going. Yes. Like it was quite funny. Um, Philadelphia's uh, set to break my heart um, this year. That's their whole goal. But uh, D'Angelo has a, uh, you know, a Twitter story where Philadelphia is the, the team he hates the most in the league, you know, last year. And all of a sudden there's quotes up this year about how it was the team. He, his favorite team, childhood team (laughs) growing up. And you're just like, man, oh man, the marketing machine is a going. Always going. It's always around. Never sleeps. Um, Toronto's funny. I, I laugh at their goaltending issues because their solution was there. They had Frederick Anderson. Yeah. Don't get me uh, started on Frederick Anderson. I, that pissed me off that the Oilers didn't sign him last oh year. Oh God. He, and, I, I understand he has an and, injury history, but man, yeah. oh man, he's, when he's not injured, basically all the time, he's good. He's yeah. so good. And um, I have no doubt he maybe he wanted no part of coming here after Toronto. I don't doubt that. Because oh, he was yeah, probably yeah. like, I'm not I doing mean, this I, again. He got Miko this market. He got <laughs> like, Oskinen over there, and man, yeah, deserve it. But yeah, and yeah, so a guy like him, because a guy like him giving him four to five million, you're fine with it, oh, right? Yeah, that's like a you just are because <laughs> there's enough of a record, a track record. He's young, um, and even him, yeah. The bad thing with him is he had the habit of letting in some ugly goals in those series the Leafs lost. But, but he also you know, won a lot of those games by himself. The team also, the Toronto has this thing, not just the goaltenders. As we said, Jack Campbell yeah. played fantastic. It's the, it's a team-wide thing. Like, Frederick Anderson didn't lose those series. No. The team lost those series just like they lost the one with Jack Campbell. Um, so it's funny, it's- though, with, with them, because if you think about it, Preston, the, they get out of Mrazic, and now they go to Murray. Like it's just kind of like, what are you doing? It's like, like I feel like they're room. they're the the ultimate authors of their demise in that <laughs> like, in those respects. I just don't even talk to me about that's, that. They right? cleared the cap space from Razik, who you know, again, I, I say this a lot. He didn't have a great year last year. I no. think there's the potential potential for him to bounce back. I think he's shown probably the past not there though. Probably not there. Yeah. Um, so you duck out of that and you go to a guy that has uh, you, all you hear is like Murray's won two Stanley Cups. I'm like, yeah, but did you see the team he was on in Pittsburgh? Yeah, well, that was, was a long fantastic time team. He played yeah. well during those runs, yeah, but he's he, fallen yeah, off. Whatever, he's won two Stanley Cups. Yeah, but, you know, uh, who was his goalie tandem partner when he was winning those? Like, was he the one that was expected to, uh, you know, shoulder the entire load of the playoffs? Yes or no, right? Uh, the second run, I think. The second one, yes. First one. Yeah, the second run. run. Yeah, but, but regardless, the- that was a long time ago, too. For a goalie, it was ages ago, right? And, oh, I know this isn't a Toronto podcast, but going to Matt Murray is a—it's weird, man. It's a I, and I get it's the term so is odd. less on Murray. The term is less on Murray than a five-on-five, five, but yeah, the money is so similar. And I just well, and if they lose this year because of the goaltending, those guys are getting canned, like they just are. I'm surprised they're not canned already. Well, I, don't I don't know. know. My my didn't. friend's Twitter, my Twitter or my. Text there was my friend Matt Murray in Toronto, crying, laughing, face crying, laughing, crying, laugh, 
face, crying, laughing face, someone else. I know I laughed and laughed. So yeah. I work with a Leafs fan at work. And when I was leaving, I saw the Dreger tweet. So I was like, looks like uh, Toronto's getting Murray. And he just told me to shut the fuck up. So <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the, it seems like Toronto is thrilled with this new acquisition. Um, it's nice to see other fan bases uh, very angry, not ours for once. It, um, it was odd though. Change. I can't remember who it was. This was, I think it was last week. It was one of the media guys out in Toronto. While they didn't, they weren't giving their top players hell so much for them losing, they did make a good point. And it's a valid point. They're like, as good as those guys are, they go, and we can sit here and say, yeah, they were better this year than Austin 7 to Tampa. They played well and whatever. They go, but at the end of the day, they're like, they're top players in games that matter. They just don't score enough. Yeah. And it's true. And if you compare it to the Oilers' top players in the games that mattered, well, scored all the Oilers' points. The look at right? the most important goals in the playoffs. Yeah, Karma gave and it, the insurance goal. Karma yeah, and, and it's <laughs> yeah, and it's not a shot at Matthews. It's not a shot at Marner because those guys are great players. Nylander's a really good player. Tavares isn't the player he was, but whatever. Those first two, especially, they're elite, elite players. They're probably in the top five six maybe seven guys in the game i would say both of them for forwards but yeah sorry man like your best players have to find ways to score in those to win those games and they don't yeah to 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 quote bob nicholson something something in the water yeah well don't say that to them toronto people they don't want to hear that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love the the there's a lot of tweets i've been seeing from toronto fans about uh and it's a strange thing to tweet. They're like, well, the Withers must be tampering. Last year yes. with Hyman, this year with Campbell. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys don't want these contracts. So don't well, the, the Hyman run is the best, eh? Yeah. Uh, Bunting. Bunting is like the cheap Hyman. And then come and to he, playoffs. He's a great player. I think he's pretty he is. good. He is. And I got money. Hell yes. He's a fantastic player. I, I don't yeah. think he brings what Hyman is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that, so I think that's going to do it for our Oiler topics. Um I feel like we should spend some time just going around the NHL as a whole because it's just been such a chaotic offseason so far. Um, and what better place to start than going down the QE2 and checking in on the Calgary Flames? Who are going to lose Goudreau? Yeah. I think it's a 90, 97% chance that Goudreau is no longer a Calgary Flame. I've heard from Friedman, Friedman on, um, on his 32 Thoughts podcast and then just in various radio hits he does around Edmonton as well, that he, he doesn't know if the Flames will be going aggressively at um, replacing him with another high-end player. So I, I don't know what Calgary is going to do here because the thing with Calgary is that most of their roster had career years. So you're going into next season probably without Goudreau maybe you don't have another guy to, to another big ticket guy to replace his production and you're banking on all these players to repeat career years. So I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm an Oilers homer who hates the flames, but it seems like a lot of things are falling into place for the flames to have a significantly worse year than they did this past year. Thoughts on that? I don't know if I'm accurate on that. Of course, it depends on what they do in free agency, but I feel like there's a lot that has to go right for the Flames to to repeat. I think they are in a difficult situation. You know, they had a lot of, uh, like you said, a lot of guys coming off career years when their contracts are up. You know, like 
that's a shit situation for any team because, you know, Lord knows you may not have the money to pay for a career year. And then you're always, you've always got going in the back of your head. You know, if I pay you out after a career year and the next four years suck, I'm still paying you, you know, that money, right? See the Zach Cassian contract, right? So, um, yeah, you kind of feel for them. But again, you know, they have managers and team leaders and whatever. That I don't feel for them, Jonah. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> um, they have managers and team leaders and, and or team leaders, but like uh, executives that are responsible for making their team competitive and they can do it or not do it. And Okay, go for it, guys, right? <laughs> Yeah, what are you thinking, Rob? Yeah, well, they're, yeah, they're in a weird spot. I don't think uh, – I think Goudreau will have till tomorrow morning or whatever. I don't think Trey, Trey Living was going to sit around and wait. I don't. I think he'll go get somebody Yeah. because um, they need somebody. Um, There's some interesting names out there too. So yeah, could, one, one being Evander Kane. One being Evgeny Malkin. Well, I <laughs> yes, but I don't know if he'd leave. Well, sorry, let me rephrase that. I think he would leave in a second. I don't know if Pittsburgh will actually let him leave. He's testing the market. That came. Oh, he him. he'll leave. Yeah. I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> then you, then there's, there's, you know, there's also rumors that he would like to, if Pittsburgh can come up with something, like to finish his career there. Oh right? yeah. Which I could also well, understand. It, well, it's not Pittsburgh has to come up with something. Pittsburgh has to pay him. And Here's the thing, though. Him. Coming out. Well, that's what they got to come up with an offer. Right to actually legitimately pay wants, him. He wants. Four years, I think, and I think they offered him three, if I'm not mistaken. We're right before we hit record on this podcast. The Penguins signed Raquel to a six-year deal worth five million. So does that throw a wrench? That's into some that? tidy business. It shouldn't, no, yeah. but that's a good, uh, it's a good signing. They could still it, sign. Malkin's not going to sign for ten million dollars. Like he's oh, just no. not. He's not that player anymore. Um, Six-year, five million. Yeah. For yeah well, what did Latang sign for? Uh, let me pull that up. Uh, 5.5, I thought. Is that what it was? And Latang had a really good year. And he's still, like some people would consider him a top 10 defenseman. I wouldn't go that far. But he's still really useful at what he does. Um, still wouldn't give him any kind of term they did. But that's a legacy contract in that city, yeah, right? Latang totally signed uh, 6.1 uh, for six years. One, two, yeah, three, four, so five, six, yeah, six, probably five to six, you would think, at least, for Malkin. Probably yeah, six. I think someone would pay more. Maybe. I don't think Pittsburgh will, though. I don't think Pittsburgh Could Calgary? Will, yes. Could Calgary go after Giroux? Yes. Could Calgary go after Kane? Yes. Calgary could go after could a lot be- of people. The one thing I will say for both of you guys, though, you guys are like, oh, they had a bunch of people with career years. So I could say that about everyone for the Oilers as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm not arguing that. Right? And to be quite like, frank, I am hoping yeah. that some no, of our career true. year Fair guys point. then allow for uh, – higher trade value like if tyson berry's yeah you know, having a career year let's see what that nets on the trade market right you know let's sell high for once in let's our sell lives high. once just once uh, sell the high thing, the thing is calgary might take that money get a good player because as good as goudreau is he's not their best player like i don't think he is you got I take there. Lindholm over all those guys. In the really? Second. Okay. Oh, I love Lindholm. Oh, I like Lindholm too. And then probably Kachuk, those two. I like him. He's Kachuk's annoying. great. He's a pain in the ass, obviously, to 
play against when he's not on your team. But yeah, Although Kachuk's I will, great. I will say that Kachuk wasn't as much of a pest in that playoff series as I thought he would be. He had the hat trick in game one, but then again, yeah. everyone was scoring. I couldn't keep track. And then kind of tailed off after that. I, well, I, was I think it's because they were, they're like, oh, we have to defend or we're in trouble here. They, they got, uh, they, couldn't. they got suttered. They played that yeah. trap against a team that just was full yeah, blazing so, all the time. I think Calgary will do something. I really do. I don't think yeah. they'll they'll stay put. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if, Goudreau, if Goudreau pisses around. If I'm Calgary, I'd be like later. Like yeah. you know they don't they a don't deserve that because they've paid him quite a bit of money. Yeah, and if nothing else, he owes it to them just to say yay or nay. Like he really does. Yeah. To sit there and screw around, then it's like, well, no, sorry, man. And I like, don't buy the narrative that uh, the Flames won't react to this and do something to to replace Goudreau because that's not the GM Trey Living has ever no, been. He's always never. been a I'm going to make the move type yeah. of guy. Well, he might make a trade or a trade. Exactly. Yeah. He's always been that type of guy to to not be afraid to make a big move to shore something up. So I fully expect the Flames to be. Yeah. Be active and I think they could be I think they're they could be a dark horse on literally every one of the big time free agents. Yeah. I think they could be in on Giroux. I think they could be in on I think they could I think Kadri is a realistic possibility there as well. Yeah. That would be There's a lot of them. I don't know if that would be the smartest of signings, but I think you're yeah. right. Um yeah. uh one last thing. I don't want to go over Chicago because I think we all feel the same about Chicago's. Uh, weird moves don't know what they're doing it's a rebuild where you trade all your rebuild pieces but uh uh i want to bring up one more contract that was just signed um and it was valerie nichishkin over in colorado signing an eight year extension so he has a fantastic playoff he gets an eight year extension worth six point worth 6.125 million uh, per year they paid him uh, six mil? 6.125 over eight years. And I I like Nachushkin. I don't know if I like him eight years at that AAV. That's a very hefty price after a season. But hey, maybe he lives up to it. Um, wow. It's, it's a high-risk, high-reward type of deal I, I see it as. And for a team uh, like Colorado... going to go well or poorly. Yeah, yeah it's no going, more you're either going to make off like gangbusters in it or it's going to be one of those uh one of those contracts right so uh wow yeah. yeah he's a really good player uh yeah i don't know how you can give him that term and that money after what one season ish yeah. right one in a bit like, it's the funny thing with Nachishkin is that he was drafted in the same draft as um darnell, darnell nurse, nurse. I, and I remember watching that. I think that was back in, what, 2013? And I remember... Yeah, that's all a blur. 13-year-old me was like, we need Valerie Nachishkin. So maybe this yeah. is a little bit of validation for my for my 13-year-old self. Um, yeah. But... Uh, for no, me, I it was him. one of the two, right? Yeah. Because Nachishkin... And then, yeah, it just went sideways, right? And now this will make the... Uh, it's almost more pressure on Pugliarvi, poor bastard. <laughs> Whether he stays in Edmonton uh, or not, that's going to be the comparison, eh? Hey, sign him up. Like, sign him up to that eight-year deal right now, so we don't have to pay him that much. The thing, right. though, with Puliyarvi, <laughs> though, the one thing people have to understand, and again, some fans are just taking it. There, there, there's a difference between 
saying I'm cool with going elsewhere and asking for a trade. Like yeah. they are, they're two different things. People very sit different, here and say they're different. the same. No, they're not. They're not at all. He'd stay here. He's not signing for term. I've said this for three. Well, since he came back at the start of it, Oh, you got to sign him. No, he's not signing a long-term deal. Why would he? Like, and even now he wouldn't. If the Oilers would go to him, I bet you we'll pay you. Maybe if they paid him five mil, he might. If they go to him, hey, we'll give you four mil per, four times four. I bet you he won't sign it. Because he doesn't know what his role is. And that does kind of matter to some guys. Like, it really does. Well, yeah, that so, seems to be the disconnect right now is that the Oilers want him to be that third line guy, but he yeah. wants to be a top six guy, which I argue he could be a top six guy very easily. Oh, for if sure he's he can. proven it. Um, but, um, man. But because of guy, it, you know, keep, but. and it's hard now because everyone's going to be like, well, they've been comparing him to Nikuchkin, Nikuchkin since the what, playoffs started wildly because everyone's watching both of them. And now that guy signs six mil and oh my. Oh my. <laughs> Where do you guys think he goes? Puliarvi? Yep. Well, I I want to be stubborn and say nowhere, but Okay, uh, let's be realistic. Yeah, let's Where's be realistic. Where's he going to go? Um uh Dreger tweeted out that the Oilers were one of the teams swirling around Connor Brown. Yep. I think win that deal. I I think that seems like a very Oilers deal, so I feel like that will happen. I feel like Connor yeah. Brown is most likely an Edmonton Oiler next year. So when that does go down, I could see Jesse going to um, Ottawa. Yeah. Then again, I don't know, because it doesn't sound like there's a lot of interest in Pugliarvi on the trade market right now. So maybe that ends up being someone like Barry, and maybe you actually get a decent player back for him. But I, I don't know. I have I think it's either Ottawa or Carolina. Carolina seems like a team that's always there around him. So Yeah. What about you, Shauna? I think... I mean, to be honest, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, you're, they're, you're, Oilers, you're going to Oiler and you're going to move them out somewhere and it's going to come back to bite you in the ass in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So who you pick to do it with? You know, who's Make your dance sure partner? In the East. Yeah. Whoever your dance partner is, they better be in the East. That's all I've got to say. You can burn us twice a year and that's all I'll allow. Actually, no, screw it. I want them in the division so you can screw us every like multiple times a year and then I can hey, remind everyone about you, it. They trade if they're gonna trade him, they better get the best damn player they can get for him. Yeah. The, the only problem I have with Connor Brown is he's a UFA next year. Yeah. So you're trading him for one year. Another Connor Brown David line mate, though. Yeah. And you know what that's gonna do? <laughs> It's going to make him a UFA that you're not going to resign. We just saw that. Yeah. So if he's another McDavid guy who ends up playing there and let's say he turns into a 35 goal scorer, you're going to pay Connor Brown five and a half million. Hey, if, uh, if, if we win the cup next year, I'll accept it. Yeah. Well, no, for sure. Then you move uh, on. Right. Yeah. But, but um, the, the be one a- thing Colorado is showing us and Tampa has been doing it forever you can't like if the Oilers win or get close this whole thing of you've got to keep guys no you don't mm-hmm. you you cut where you need to cut well that's like we were mentioning earlier where yeah. um, a lot of fans are saying you can't have that much turnover on the blue line like no yes. you can like the yeah. best teams have way more turnover than that um, yeah. I think Tampa Bay basically remodeled their entire bottom six 
yeah. after um, winning the cup the first time. So that is not a valid argument because the winning teams do that all the time. No. Um, do you know which teams fall into that, the trap of that argument and then don't do it? That's the teams that are mediocre or on the lower end. Yes. Right? <laughs> because or then they get stuck wherever yeah. or they, they were. One, yeah. Or they make one run. Right. And then, then they're in the shitter for years. Yeah. Because any of the teams that have been good in recent memory, they traded guys like all of them. Yeah. Chicago did, LA did, Tampa did, all of them. Mm-hmm. They all do it. It's part of the deal. Yeah, winning comes at a cost, and um, that's uh, lots of times it's like losing guys like Kadri, losing guys like Kemper, losing guys like maybe Burkowski. Like the, the significant pieces going out of Colorado this summer. So, um, but you know that that can be justified if you win the cup, right? So um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer. Uh, I think that is going to do it for all the storylines I wanted to touch on. I guess we can move into some predictions here. Give me, each of you give me three free agents that aren't Jack Campbell, because that's a cheat. We all know that's happening. Um, that the Oilers could sign and maybe throw a trade out there. Uh, I'll go last. I'll let you, I'll let Shona go first and then uh, uh, Rob. So my heart hopes for Philadelphia, or my Philadelphia loving heart hopes for Giroux to come here. I would like that. Um, not Jack Campbell. Well, that would be nice. Um, I think we trade Puyarvi. Makes my heart hurt, but I think that's what happens this summer. Um, maybe we trade Fogel too. Uh, Strom may come here, depending on the qualifying offer. I think that's not. Um, oh, he's not qualified. That's been confirmed. No, but you, but you know the offer we give him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The quality of that offer yeah. will depend on if he comes here or not. Um, and then I hope that if had they if they haven't resigned Kulak, I'm hoping that they've resi- they'll resign Kulak, which I've heard a bunch of swirling around resigning Kulak, but I haven't actually heard any resigning yeah. of Kulak. So I those will be my three. I believe that is down to Edmonton and Montreal. It sounds like he has a lot of interest in going back to Montreal, but um, yeah, does he? I, I've well, heard, let's yeah, be I've fair. Heard, Montreal's. I've heard he does. So. Montreal's defensive core is taking huge pieces out of a lot of uh, the junior teams at the, at some level. It could be a little bit of a different look next year. Yeah, I, I don't know why he'd go to. I guess he enjoyed it in Montreal, but like you'd think he'd stay in Empton just for chance to win and being closer to home, right? But city wise, I'm sure Montreal would be wonderful to yeah. play <laughs> year round. For you sure. Know? So for me, you said anyone but Campbell, eh? Yeah, because that one seems like it's already done. So it's a cheat, I think. I'm all in on Giroux because I would love to see that happen. Um, Trade-wise, I'd love nothing more than for them to trade for Provorov. Yeah? I love love Provorov. He's on the way out. They can pull that off. I'd be thrilled. He is an annoying little shit. That is a hundred percent true. He's a hell of a player. Um, and I think wherever he goes, if they do move him, I think he's going to flourish like nobody's business just to get the hell out of Philly. Um, and yeah, the third one, well, yeah, if they do those two things. It, it becomes a little different. Uh, <laughs> 
that, that changes a lot. A lot. Uh, yeah, just whoever, whatever depth signing to bring in someone. Okay. I just hope they don't totally mess up the Puliyarvi trade. I just yeah. hope they get something out of it. Like, um, I don't want the kid gone. I've been his biggest fan since he was drafted. Oh, um, yeah, me too. I, I still will I've, be, no matter I, where he goes. But I've made I, a vow with myself that if he yeah. survives the summer, I will be buying my next jersey will be yeah. a reverse retro of him. If not, it's going to be Bouchard. But, like, I, I'm very hoping I have a, a Puliyarvi jersey in october um all right um so what about you uh yeah i am i i would love Giroux. i i really want Giroux. in the end i don't think it happens i think he will go back to ottawa um just because it seems like ottawa is building they seem like they're acel- accelerating there's yeah i don't know what ottawa is doing they're they seem like they're loading up they got the brink cat they yeah. offloaded murray it seems like they're doing something and i feel like Giroux. weird team Giroux will go back. Um, and I think the Debrinkat was the part of the sales pitch to Giroux. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, yeah. Look, we just did this. We want to do something this year. And I feel like that was a lot of a draw for him since it's his hometown. So I think he goes there. And Holland does this thing where he does a little bit of a surprise signing that I don't really see. Like he did Barry that one year. I didn't see that coming. Uh, Cody CC was kind of out of left field. Didn't really see that coming until the day of. I am going to say this year's version of that is Andre Burakovsky. I think he's going to do that. I think, I think that might be a signing that just comes out of nowhere. And then we're like, Oh shit, where this, we didn't heard nothing about this. So I'm going to say Andre Burakovsky. You have Holland pulling rabbits out of hats, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that's a guy that fits Holland's type. You know, if I look back at his history with Detroit, I feel like, Burkowski kind of fits his type. So that's my first big signing. Um, I think Dylan Strom, there's too much smoke around it. Um, the Connor McDavid match is too strong. Um, I think Dylan Strom will come here. And then, uh, God. How about Lord. Ryan? How about who? How about Ryan Strom? You, you, Matthew Strom is also a free agent. You get all the brothers here. <laughs> you have all the Stroms. All the, we just all here. online. Um, <laughs> I know Tracy Lane the notorious Oilers insider yeah. tweeted a photo of the Strom brothers. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh man, the third one, I want to say it's a defenseman, but I don't really know who, um, you know, you know who the other outside one was that I was going to throw out other than Provorov. Who's that? PK. Subban. Is he a free agent? Yep. Sure. PK on a on a, a cheap yeah. deal because Provorov you got to trade for right yeah I'll Which, throw that out so I got two yeah. surprise signings I highly doubt right handed I'm going out on a limb with those ones yeah other than Strom I think that one's pretty good um and then the trade I will say it's for Connor Brown yeah I don't think it will be Puliyarvi just because I feel like the the trade market doesn't seem like to be trending that way for Puliyarvi getting a player uh, of Brown's caliber even though I think he should. Um, so I'll say Tyson Berry and a guy like Raphael, Raphael Lavoy or something going to Ottawa sure. and then Connor Brown coming back. Um, so that's my, my out of, out of pocket predictions. Um, we'll see if any of them come right, but I, I would, I would also like Kulak. I think I was going to say Kulak too, if, uh, uh, Shona didn't as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, Hey, one more thing before we wrap up. What do you guys think of the McFarland jerseys coming back? 
Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm um, a fan. I think I think the Oilers, like the Oilers jerseys are fantastic. The logo is timeless. Yeah. But I am such a big fan of when these teams with timeless logos go out on a limb and do does something different. So the McFarlane one, I don't know why so many people hate it. I think it looks cool. I think it's a very nice modern look for an Oilers team. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I've never seen them live because I'm way too young. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm excited to see, uh, I'm hoping they go with the original colors, but add some orange trim into it, which the rumors are, that's one of the concepts. That I they heard the bring silver back. was supposed to be orange, right? Yeah. Something like that. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious with what they'll do. I'm super excited about it, though. I, yeah. I love, I'm a Jersey nerd. So um, see, I don't like the Halloween jerseys they've been wearing. Like the ones they wore in the playoffs. I hate those things. I don't mind those. Those are fine. Yeah. I'm glad they I didn't like the orange ones. They grew on me a little bit, but the Royal yeah. blue is always so much better. So I'm super happy to see the Royal blue back, but uh, yeah, same McFarland Jersey is going to be so great. It's going to be. What do you think, Sean? Sean, are you a fan of the McFarland no. jersey oh, at the man. start? I'm not. <laughs> no, you're in that group. Eh? You're in the majority. I, I just aesthetically, it doesn't do it for me. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But you know, like there'll be jerseys you'll look at and you'll be like, "There's nothing wrong with this." I'm sure it's great for lots of people. Yeah. But like, if I'm buying something, I'm not buying this. This does not please oh, me. Oh man, right? I don't have the money to buy it, but I will buy it. I'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, this reverse retro, sorry, you got me on a tangent now. These reverse retros are going to be so much fun this time around. I think the Islanders are bringing back the Fisherman jersey. Yeah. Um, the Montreal Canadiens are rumored to be doing something based on the Expos. The Montreal Expos. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Bye. I just, I love it when teams get weird with their jerseys. So this is just a feel, I have a field day with it. Well, see, I love the Expos have since I was little, and I've never liked the Canadians. So <laughs> that one will be difficult for me to uh, stomach. <laughs> Maybe get, if you if you really like it and you want to justify it, get a get an Expos Canadians jersey with Petrie on the back. Because he was an oiler, right? So you can justify yes. it. <laughs> uh, all right, so I think that's going to... That's going to do it for this episode of the Copper and Blue podcast. It's going to be a fantastic, well, I won't say fantastic necessarily. It's going to be an interesting uh, next few days. Uh, Of course, we'll be back in a a week or so to uh, cover uh, either the the joyous celebration that other fans are having or the aftermath of another bleh offseason. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, NHL Hodgkinson. I also write uh, for Copper and Blue very occasionally. I'm hoping to pick that up as the summer goes by. Um, Rob, you can plug yourself and what you do. Also at the old Copper and Blue these days. Uh, right, usually a couple of times, two, three times a week right now. But once summer hits, I'll go back to my usual Sunday Sunday hit. Um, Sunday yeah. column. Yeah, the Sunday column. And yeah, you can. I'm on Twitter way too much, unfortunately. I should uh, stop <laughs> doing all, that once in a while. We all we all have that disease once in a while. And you can follow me at uh, at what oil underscore drop. Yeah. All right. And Shona, do you want to just remain anonymous? Uh, you can find when I occasionally write for Copper and Blue. You can find it at the website. Um, you know, you can sleuth any other information out from the website. I'm not <laughs> going to make it easy for you. Don't worry. Don't when, this tell podcast, me I'm wrong. when I promote this podcast on Twitter, I'll I'll sneak in Shona's uh, tag, so so nobody will uh, will uh, miss that. She'll be so pleased. 
All right. Well, thank you, you know guys what? for listening. It's not the, it won't be. It won't be the worst thing that's happened to me this week. So you know. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.